Good morning. Today's scripture is from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Then Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put your Lord the God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and and all their glory. And he said to them, All of these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Well, good morning. Well, if you haven't done so already, please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. If I were to ask you this morning, let's say if I uh, had some sheets of paper and we had the ushers hand out these sheets of papers and you had a pen and you could, you could answer this question honestly, these questions honestly, what would you say? The questions are this. Number one, what is your best day? If you can go through your life and you can think through like every single day and just say, you know, out of every day that I've walked on this earth... What would I say is number one? What's the best day? And on the opposite of that, what would you say is your worst day? The day that you say, you know what? That's a day that I would never want to live through again. Back in the early 90s, 1991, a movie came out. It was called City Slickers. Have you ever seen that movie before? City Slickers. Uh, I think I still have on the VHS cassette of that but I have nothing to play it on anymore because just nobody has those things anymore. But um, if, if, if you've never seen the, the, the movie and you don't know the story, it, it's about a man, his name is Mitch, and he begins going through a, a midlife crisis. Uh, 38 years old. I mean, like I, I remember watching that show back when I was a kid. I thought 38 is super old. I just blew by that one. But... Uh, it's, it, he has this midlife crisis, so his wife buys him a ticket for him and his two buddies to go uh, to a dude ranch in, in Texas and, and move a herd of cattle from Texas into Colorado. And uh, the story is kind of about the struggles that they, they go through on that, on that journey. Their, their trail boss dies of a heart attack in the middle of, of the drive. Uh, just some, some really... Ho- Goofy, horrible things happen to them through this thing. But they finally get a hold of what they're doing. And, and a scene in the movie shows them, and they're, they're riding on their horses in front of this herd, and they begin to have a conversation. And the conversation is, what is your best day, and, and what is your worst day? And, and Mitch starts it off. And he starts off talking about how he was a kid, and his dad took him to Yankee Stadium to watch the Yankees play. And he had never seen a baseball field like that with, with green grass because he was always watching it on a, on a black and white TV. And he said it was amazing and the smell of the grass w- was incredible. And he said it was his best 
day. I mean, it can't be the Bevs, the Yankees, for crying out loud. They're terrible. But then, so they say, well, 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 what is your worst day? And he says, well, it was when we thought that my wife had breast cancer. And just that day and kind of going through that, it was, it was just a horrible, horrible experience that I, we had to have to go through. You know, and so it, it moves on from him. Then it's his buddy Phil goes next. And if you notice, Phil has is is getting a divorce, coming out of a, a terrible, terrible marriage, just just an awful situation. And they asked him what his best day was, and surprisingly, he answers. He says, "It was actually my wedding day." And they're like, "What? Your wedding day?" He's like, "Yeah, because when I was standing up there in front of everybody, I, I looked down at my dad, and my dad winks at me and gives me a thumb up, and I knew that he was proud of me." Right then and there. And then they asked him, what's his worst day? He says, well, every day after that, they're all a tie. They're all, they're all the same bad. And so finally it comes up to his buddy, Ed. And Ed doesn't want to do this. He doesn't want to play the game. And so they, they let it go. And then very quickly, they, he, he begins to open up. And he says, well, my dad, he constantly cheated on my mom. And this last time, the last time that he did it, the girl actually came by the house to pick him up. And his parents got into a huge fight. And in the middle of this huge fight, he says, I went, up to my, I went up to my dad and I told him, you know what, dad? We don't need you anymore. If you're going to treat my mom this way, you can just go. And I, I'll take care of my mom. And I'll take care of the family. And so his dad left that day. And he said, that was my best day. And they asked him, like, well, what was your worst day? And he says, same day. When we come into this story of Jesus, I think that maybe when we go back and, and you think about what is happening as, as we move into this very well-known story, I think most of us know this story about Jesus and, and his confrontation with, with the enemy in the desert. We've, we've heard this story ever since we're, we're, we're kindergarten, you know, and working our way through Sunday school and, and reading our devotions. And, you know, you say, you're gonna, I'm going to start reading the Bible, and you start in the New Testament, and, and boom, chapter 4, you get this story. We, we know this very well. And if you know it, the, right before that time, Jesus is being baptized by John the Baptist. And uh, he, he goes down into the water, and after he convinces John that, that this is the right thing to do, he's taken down into the water, and he's brought back up again. Now, Jesus has been walking the earth for nearly 30 years at this point. He hasn't had that, that, that really close relationship with his father like he had in heaven because, because he, he chose to empty himself and walk this earth as a human being. And so he probably hasn't, hasn't heard his dad's voice for nearly 30 years. And it says that when he comes up out of the water, the heavens were, were torn open and the Holy Spirit, like a dove, comes down and rests upon him. And at that moment, he hears his father's voice and says, This is my beloved son. With him, I'm well pleased. I think if that happened to any of us in this room, I think that would go top of the list, right? Best day ever, when God audibly says to me, I'm pleased with you. And, I, and Jesus, I would say, this is probably one of the greatest days that he's experienced on this earth. But what happens? Uh, it, it, says, it, it says that he was immediately 
Mark says that it was he was driven into the wilderness. Matthew 4, verse 1 said, Then Jesus was led, Mark says, driven by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He was compelled. For it wasn't a suggestion like, hey Jesus, maybe, you know, if you think, you want to go, go camping you know, for a few days? He says, no, he, he, he pushed him, for, compelled him, drove him into the wilderness so that he could undergo this temptations, these temptations by Satan. And, and when we look at this passage, I think for us, as, as we read this and we begin to digest what it's trying to say to us, we come to a realization that, that we as Christ's followers, as, as His disciples, as those who are to walk in the steps of Christ, we can learn how to deal with the struggles, with the difficulties, with the pitfalls that the enemy and the system that we live in, this world that we live in, that we walk in, we can learn how to navigate this life and at the end of it, be victorious. And every single day as we put our heads on our pillows, being able to say, you know what, today was a successful day with my walk with Jesus. And as we open up this passage, I, I, I want to share just a few points with you about, about what we can learn from Jesus' struggle. And the first one that I really want to share with you is that temptation comes to us strongest when we are isolated or we're alone. Have you ever noticed that? If either you're, you're by yourself and thoughts and, and motivations and desires that, that normally you, 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 just, you just don't have when you're, when you're around your family, when you're around your friends, when you're with people. You just, do, you just don't experience those. And when you're, you're by yourself, these things begin to, to come into your mind. Or it may be that, that you could be in a, in a group of people, in a large crowd, but you just are distant. You're far away. You're isolated. You're alone. And when you don't feel that support that, that you need, temptation comes. Because you know that happens? is because God has never, ever called us to have to walk this life that we live with Christ alone. He encourages us, he, he commands us to gather together with brothers and sisters in Jesus so that we can encourage one another, that we can build each other up, that we can be there for each other. If, if you, somebody can throw that picture that I gave you this morning up there, that would be awesome. Get it? There we go. Here's a picture of, that, that is not me. Okay, just so everybody knows, that's not me in that picture. But I, I used to do that job. When I, when I was in the military, I, I say, well, I said this morning it's two reasons, and somebody reminded me of a third reason. There's three reasons why God put me into the military. Number one was that I would come to know Christ because I came to be a believer when I was in the military. Number two is so I could meet my wife. And number three is so I could have cool stories for sermons. Okay, that's the reason why God put me in the military. And so that was my job. I was a, I was a director, our, and our job was, was the movement of, of airplanes upon a flight deck. And, and that airplane right there is called an EA-6B Prowler. Now, if you, I believe that God can orchestrate amazing things. Now, this is, this is a rabbit trail that I'm going on right now. But I, I showed this picture this morning of this airplane right here. And, uh, and there was a family, couple, sitting right there. 
And they came up to me after the service and they said, you know what, this is our first time at church. I used to fly those airplanes. That's pretty amazing. I was like, God, you did something. So this is a divine story. So this, so this airplane right here, do you see where the, the engine intake is, where the air goes into the engine, those, that, that big cylinder right on the side of that airplane? You see that? That intake has the force to be able to, to pull up a 250-pound man and suck it into it just at idle. If you're just standing there at the wrong time, it can pull you into that engine and, and bad things happen. Let's just, let's just say it's not a pleasant experience to get sucked into a jet engine. And so our job as, as the handlers on, the, on airplanes is, is we were supposed to sometimes put tow bars. You ever been to a, taken a flight before and you, you've seen them push those airplanes back with those tow bars and those tractors? Well, our, sometimes we had to attach those kinds of tow bars to that front tire that's right there. And where is that front tire? It is directly underneath those death machines of, of intakes. And so, typically, for every other airplane there was, you could do it by yourself. You could do it alone. But this one, it always took three people to be able to put that tow bar on. The first two people, is their job is to lift it up and, and, and attach it to that tire and, and tighten it down so that, so that we can move the airplane. So that, that was the first two people's job. You know what the third person's job was? His job was to hold on to you. He had one hand on, this, on one guy's back, one hand on the other guy's back, so that you would stay down. And this is how I believe that our Christian life should work. We, we need each other. We need each other. We need to hold on to each other. So when we, we get together with our friends, I hope that you have a group of people that you meet with regularly that are brothers and sisters in Christ and that you are open and that you are honest enough to be able to share that, that there are struggles and there are trials and there are hard things that are going on in my life and I need your help. I need your support. Whether it is that I'm, I'm struggling in my marriage. I'm struggling with being a parent. I am struggling in my work. I'm having this health difficulty. I'm having this, this, this thought life difficulty. And you have people that love you enough that when you tell them the darkest parts of your soul, that they are there to be by you, stay by you, and they won't leave you. And they'll hold on to you no matter how hard the, the time gets. You need those kind of people in your life. We can never walk this walk alone. We need each other. But for this to be a temptation at its strongest, Jesus couldn't have anybody else with him. He needed to have him and the Holy Spirit. That's it. And so that's the first area that we can come into. Is number one, temptations come strongest when we are by ourselves. The second one, temptation comes at your weakest points. Temptation comes at our weakest points. Verse 2. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. How many of you have ever fasted before? Anybody fasted before? You know, I, this, this last year when we went to Portland, I mean this last spring break when we went to Portland, we do this thing called, we do a walk, a homeless walk where we walk in the shoes of what it means to be homeless. So we have to spend the night on the floor of a church. We wake up at 7 o'clock in the morning, and they just say, 
you're on your own. Whatever you brought with you, you got. Sleeping bag, whatever. You're, you're out the door. And you have no money. And you have no place to go to hang out. And the food that you want to eat, you, you, you have to eat at a, at a rescue mission. You have to go stand in line with, with everybody else who has no place to call home and no place to eat. You know, I had to go without coffee for like eight hours that day. You, you, man, you don't want to see me without coffee for eight hours. And then without lunch that day. I mean, that was, that was an eight-hour chunk of time. And by the end of it, by five o'clock in that evening, I was, I was miserable. But Jesus, is, this is more than just eight hours. This is 40 days. Easter was nearly 40 days ago. Can you imagine that amount of time without food? You're, you are literally starving to death. Your body, the only way that it is surviving is that it's consuming itself. Just for the amount of strength to be able to go on. And Jesus, not only was he without food, he had no shelter. He's in the middle of nowhere. Imagine walking out in that area. You go out that way towards Mountain Home. And you're by yourself for that amount of time. And the devil comes to him in his humanity at his weakest point and just says, Jesus, here's the easy way out. Just turn these stones into bread. But when we read in Scripture and, and you go through Scripture, you realize that Jesus, He never, He never performed a miracle. He never did anything supernatural that benefited Himself. It says that the Son of Man came to serve and not be served. Everything He did was to the benefit of other people. But, but Satan saying, no, 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 just, just take this moment. Just take this moment and just be just a little bit selfish, Jesus. Just do this thing for you. What is your weakest point? What is it in your life that you could say, you know what? This is what I struggle with the most. Are you honest enough with yourself? Are you honest enough with yourself to say, you know, this is where I struggle. Maybe it's, maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it is. Maybe your weakest point in your life right now is your relationship with your parents or with your children and, or with your spouse. And Satan, all he has to do is just, just to have that root of bitterness going in between you guys and just, and just keep driving that wedge in a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and you not being willing to forgive, you not being able to bend. You just say, you know, at this point right here, this is, this is what I want. This is my need and I'm not going to give it up. How is it in your relationship with God? Maybe that's your weak point. You know, I, I just say, you know, it's, it's, it's a struggle for me to say, you know, just to, to, to surrender my time so that I can offer my time to Him in just spending time in, in reading His book to myself. In spending time just saying, you know, God, I, I just want to pray. Or I just want to spend time with other believers. Maybe you say, you know, I don't want to do that. Are you honest with yourself enough at your weakest point? Jesus, when, he, when He's rebuking the devil and He's saying no to this temptation, we all know this, that He, he used Scripture 
to, to, to fight back against him. Now, he was using these scriptures. These weren't just like magic, like, I'll just throw this verse out there and, and, and it'll just make him go away like a, a magic spell. The reason why he used these scriptures is because they're, they're, they're made in a context. There's a reason why this verse was written. In. And when he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God, what he's referring to is in Deuteronomy chapter 8, when, when Moses is, is retelling the story of, of, the, of the, Israel's wandering. And God had brought them out of Egypt through the Red Sea, and they're walking through there, and they have no food. And God provides manna from heaven. Every single day, He provides them food for them to eat. And they don't have to work for it. They don't have to gather it. I mean, they don't have to go and grow it. All they have to do is just get up in the morning, get their jars, go out there and scoop it up off the ground and put it in there and make their food for the day. And the energy and the, and the strength that they needed didn't come from their own toil. It literally just fell from heaven by the hand of God. And he's saying to them, you, you people, when I, take you out of this, when I take you out of this land and I've called you to this walk, I am going to give you the strength to be able to walk through this. And, and, and that's the thing about our weaknesses. Is that when we, when we recognize that we are weak, and we recognize those points in our life, it is what God says that He uses to bring Himself glory. Do you remember what Paul says in Corinthians? After he, after he says, you know, I prayed three times that the God would take this thorn out of my flesh. I begged Him to remove this from me. And what did God say to Paul? My strength is made perfect in your weaknesses. I want to share, like right now, when, when I began to open up the Bible and, and teach people, I was terrible. I don't know what I'm saying I'm very good right now, but like when, when, when my pastor, he said, you know, Jim, I think you should start teaching the Bible. I got up there and I spent like 40 hours preparing this message. And it was in Jeremiah where he's talking about, you know, God is the, is, is the potter. I spent 40 hours studying for this message. I got up there. I was done in 12 minutes. Like I was done, you know, and I was petrified. I absolutely loathed getting up in front of people and speaking. And so, so God calls me to be a pastor, to be a Bible teacher. And that's the way God works. He wants to take those things in your life and just use them that He may be lifted up and that He may be glorified. And are you willing to give those things up? Are you willing to lift those, put those things on the altar of God and say, God, this is yours. These are my weaknesses. Use it for your glory. Wouldn't it be an amazing thing that, that if you're struggling in your marriage right now and you lay it before God fully and wholly and you just say, I'm just going to die to myself and I'm going to give it to God and that marriage is reconciled, what a testimony that is to the power of God in your children's and other people's lives. So God, number one, He attacks us when we're alone. Number two, He's going to attack us on our, our weakest spot. Number three, temptation comes when you break away from God's will into your life. Temptation is going to come with Satan saying, you know what, this is what God's purpose is for you, and I want you to take another direction. 
Because this is where we find Jesus at. So in verse 5, it says, Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, just like your father declared to you 40 days before, if, if God is right and God is true, and if you are his son, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So the devil takes him to Jerusalem, and he takes him to the pinnacle of the temple, it says. Now, if you, I think probably most of us have seen uh, a picture of, of Jerusalem modern day where, where you're looking across from the mountain and, you, and you're looking at, 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 at where the Dome of the Rock is. And right there is where the temple stood. And, and on the edge of, the, of, that, of, that, of, that, of the temple complex was, 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 the, was the Kidron Valley. And if you came to the highest point of the temple and you, and you went to the bottom of the Kidron Valley, it's probably 300 to 350 feet drop. And, he's, and, he, and he brings Jesus to that point. And he says, you know what, Jesus? Look at the people all around. Because the temple is an extremely busy area. The, there's the priests doing the service. There's the Jews coming there to worship. There's people everywhere. And just, just a little bit north of that place is the complex where all the Roman soldiers, where they lived. So you're, you're in front of, of almost the entire city. And he says, Jesus, with everybody watching, you could jump from here. And before you even came close to hitting the ground down there, even a legion of angels could come to you and pick you up and lift you and put you in a safe spot. You could be their king today. You, can, you, don't, you don't have to go through this ministry. You don't have to walk this walk where, you, where you're in the desert and you have no place to call home. You, you, don't, you don't have to endure the suffering that you're going to go through when you're in that garden. And, 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 and you're praying that, that if there is any other way for the redemption of mankind and you're sweating drops of blood and you're going through agony in prayer... You can just bypass that. And most importantly, forget the cross. There's an easier way. Temptation comes with the easy choice. And are you confident and are you secure in God's purpose for you? Christ's purpose was to come and redeem mankind. And every single one of us, if we call ourselves a follower of Jesus Christ, we, we, we just don't walk this earth so that we can, we can come to church every single Sunday and just call it good. God has given you purpose. God has given you meaning. God has given you a reason. There is a reason why He's put Himself on the cross for you. And there is a reason why He has given you new life. He has given you new birth. And there's a reason why He has put His Holy Spirit inside of you. You have purpose. You have reason. You have meaning. Do you know what that is? And if you truly do know what that is, are you willing to walk that walk and make those hard choices? For many of us in this room, it's just our purpose in life is to do life right. To be a good husband, be a good wife, to be a good son, to be a good worker, to be a good boss. 
to be a good brother and sister in Jesus Christ. That is the walk that he has called us to walk. Are you willing to step into those difficult areas and say no to the easy choice and say yes to God? And that's what Jesus combats him with. In verse 7 says, And Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Now he's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6 at this point. And, we're in, and when Moses is talking about how he brought them out of the desert and, the, and they were complaining because, because they, they were thirsty. They had no water. And, and they were saying to Moses, Moses, did you, did you bring us out here so that we could just die of thirst? It would have been so much better for us if you have just left us in Egypt. It would have been better for us if you just, just let us be slaves. At least we were alive. At least there was water to drink there. But you brought us out here to, to be God's people, to follow your God. We're going to die out here. Just send us back to Egypt. Take the easy choice to go back into slavery. God has, has freed you, has freed you to walk with Him. So that's number three. Attempt to take the easy choice. Number four. Satan is going to attack what you treasure most. What you worship. Verse eight. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will just fall down and worship me. When you go to bed at night, when you go to sleep at night, what is it that you think about? What is it that that consumes your, your thoughts? And when you wake up in the morning, what is it that that is the first thing that you typically think about? And what is, what is it that you find that you're passionate about? For Satan, he misunderstood Jesus totally. He totally misunderstood Jesus. Because to Satan, what, what matters most to Satan is power. And he, he figured that, you know what, I, I, I've got God right here. And I, I think what, what I care about, I'm sure it's what he cares about as well. He just cares about being in control. So what am I going to do? I'm going to take him up to to a mountain and I'm going to somehow show him all of the kingdoms of the world. From from the Mayans in South America to the the Chinese and their dynasties. I'm going to show them all those kingdoms and even even the Roman Empire which which rules most of the world. I'm going to show this amount, amount of power that is in this world and I'm going to say these kingdoms can be all yours if you just worship me. What do we care about? What's what's truly in our hearts that we care about? The Bible says that if if we're followers of Christ, it says that that, that the kingdom of God, not the kingdoms of this world, which Satan cares about, but the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is literally in our midst. And it can, it can be in our hearts. 
And in Hebrews it says, since that we have received a kingdom that is unshakable, let us offer up acceptable worship to God because He is a consuming fire. What is, what's truly number one in your heart? It, is it God's kingdom? So there's the four areas. Being alone. Your weakest point. Taking the easy choice. And what we truly value number one in our lives. And I pray that number one in your life truly is God and what He has called you to do. Now, I can give you those four points, but I want to say, I want to give you a tool to be able to remember those things. And, uh, and you know, this tool, I believe, is, is, is something that, that is very, very personal to Jesus because I believe He lived these things out. And this tool you're going to find in two chapters over. And if you go to, to, to Matthew chapter 6, you find this prayer that God has given us. Now, when I was a kid, when I was growing up, we, we would stand up every single Sunday and uh, after our songs and after we would do our responsive readings and after we would do our, our corporate prayer time together, the whole congregation would, would together in unison say the Lord's Prayer. And for me, when it was just a teenager, I wasn't a believer. It was just something that you stood up and did. But it was, it was ingrained into my mind, and it, it became ingrained into my soul. But, w- but when I read it, I, I see this now, that, that this prayer is a, a, a daily prayer that we can do for strength for our walk with Him. And if you read it, I hope you'll be able to see this like I can. Because when it says, pray then like this in verse 9 of chapter 6, it says, Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Notice how it doesn't say my. It doesn't say my father. It says our father. Because we as what? Believers are supposed to do life together. Pray this together. Live this prayer together. It says our father who is in heaven. Holy is your name. Number one we're supposed to pray is that your kingdom will come. That God, when I pray, I pray that God, you will be number one in my life, that your kingdom will reign in my heart, that you will be the first thought in my morning and you will be the last thought in my night. And when I go throughout this day, that I, I, I am driven by what you want me to do. I worship you with my life. Your kingdom come. Number two, that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, this day, the, the, what I walk in, I know, I know that you've called me. I know, you, I know that you've, you've saved me. I know that you've given me meaning. I know you've given me purpose. And this day, I, just, I give my will over to you and that I would walk in this will that, I ha- that you have for me. I just surrender my life to you. And this day, let me be in your will. Number three, and give us this day our daily bread. And give us this day our daily bread. Provide for me, God, the strength that I need. May I be like Paul that says in in Ephesians chapter 6, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might put on the full armor of God. May I have faith. May I have your salvation. May I have peace. 
may I, may I have your word as the sword of the Spirit to be able to combat and, and get me through this day. And finally, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors because if we do life in community together, we are not going to be perfect. Only Christ was perfect and we need to have forgiveness not only from our Father to us, but we need to have forgiveness of each other as well. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's my prayer for you, church, that you are victorious in your walk with Christ. That you find victory every single day as you live on this earth and you interact with with people. And that there will be a day that you stand before your Father in heaven and He and He like like He said to His like He said His Son, He says, With you, with you I am well pleased. Because it's available and it's doable through Him. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, I thank you so much for your word, God, and I thank you for this opportunity to be able to open it up and to look at the life of our Savior. And it says in the scripture that he was tempted in all points just as we are and yet was without sin. And, and, and Father God, as we become uh, your hands and your feet and we are Jesus Christ to this world, Lord, there's going to be struggles, there's going to be difficulties. And Lord, I would just pray that God, that we would take this message and we would take this prayer and that God, we would be able to say we are victorious and we can have a life full of best days. God, we love you. Christ, we love you. We thank you for what you've done for us. And it's in his name we ask it. Amen.